Hello. Good morning. If you are able, please stand for the reading of the Lord's word. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 3. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, <clears throat> excuse me, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace be with you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Marie. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Well, for the next several weeks, during September and into October, um, I'm going to be preaching about how to be the church. Starting next Sunday, um, I will preach through our membership covenant, similar to what I did with the Statement of Faith. The only difference being this will take five weeks instead of 25 weeks um, or more. I, I can't remember how much the Statement of Faith took. And before we talk about how to be a church together, the inner workings of a church, I wanted to answer a bigger, more important question, which is, what is the church? What is the church anyway, right? The reason we need to know that is because what we are doing here, you know, we call ourselves a church. And so what we're doing here needs to resemble what the church actually is. Imagine that you want to make an apple pie. It's a good time of year for that. And you know what the goal is, you have in your mind your grandmother's perfect apple pie with crust so flaky and buttery that melts in your mouth and apple filling just sweet enough and yet still um, bringing out the tartness of the apples, spiced, seasoned perfectly with a little cinnamon and nutmeg. And you have this perfect apple pie in your mind, right? So you begin chopping apples and stirring crust. Uh, and that's what you're aiming for, right? It's probably not going to be just like your grandmother's pie. It's not going to be perfect, but it might be close and it will be an apple pie. The one thing you can't do to make that apple pie is substitute onions for apples or salt for sugar or try to spice it up and completely change the recipe. It wouldn't be an apple pie, right? And something similar can happen with church. I've, I've visited churches that seem to have lost track of the original recipe and are doing something else that's not really church. I went to one church for a little while in North Carolina um, where you walked into this nice foyer and there was an elaborate coffee bar and everybody was getting their lattes and cappuccinos. Nope, some churches have that, that's fine. But then you go into the, the room where you worship 
and it was kind of a dark theater. You couldn't really see anyone, and there was kind of there were smoke machines and lights, and there was some music. And then the the pastor stood up and played a long movie clip that he related somehow to the Christian life, and didn't even open his Bible. Now it sort of felt like that church was trying to make apple pie with onions; like it just didn't work. On other cases, I've been to churches where. Um, there's a beautiful church building and all the trimmings of a traditional church with a pipe organ and pews and stained glass windows, right? But what happens inside the building doesn't feel like church. There wasn't much love between people. The, the gospel wasn't preached. It seemed like people's lives weren't being changed. And that also was a place that had lost sight of what the church actually is. So we need to know what the church actually is so we can make sure that we're doing the right thing here at Georgia Plains Baptist Church. And in the passage that was read this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to pull out three things that the church is that we can learn from this passage. Now, this might be a, um, an unusual choice for a sermon on the church there are so many parts of the new testament that have you know, descriptions of the church as a body or a family or a bride and and um and yet i wanted to just choose one passage from which to draw out several truths and put them together this is the opening address to this church this group of people in corinth from the apostle paul and they had some mixed up ideas about what a church was. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll see what I'm talking about. But right here in the opening sentence, in the introduction, in the greeting, he begins to clarify what the church actually is. So here's the first thing. The first clue is in verse 2, where Paul writes, To the church of God... In Corinth. Now pause right there. When, when I say the word church, I'm guessing that for 75% of you or more, what comes into your mind is a building with a steeple. That's a church, right? The problem is that's not at all what Paul was thinking about when he wrote this. In fact, the church in Corinth had no church building. There were no church buildings at all for the first 300 years of church history. So we can't be talking about a church building with a sign out front that says, First Church of Corinth, Greece, Corinth, Roman Empire, right? Look back at verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, comma, and then what comes after the comma defines what the church of God in Corinth is. He says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want to oversimplify this, but what does the word those refer to? People, men, women, children, people. They are the church. Those people who believe in Jesus are the church. And so the first thing I want to tell you is the church is people. The church is people. 
The very word church in the Greek language, ekklesia, means an assembly, an assembly of people gathered for some purpose. It was used widely in the Roman world to talk about meetings and gatherings, just an assembly of people. But it's people, not buildings. Uh, the Christian author, um, Philip Yancey, tells a story about his pastor in Colorado. Whenever a visitor comes to that church and says, Pastor, you have such a beautiful church. This is such a beautiful church. The pastor says, why, thank you. I'm glad you noticed. I've been dieting. Right? The point being, I am part of the church. And all the people here, we are the church. And this is so important for us to remember, because if we think church equals building, then we will have a mindset of going to church rather than being the church. Right? Even the way we think about church will affect that. We're not supposed to go to church. We're supposed to be the church. And of course, a huge part of being the church is to gather for worship and the preaching of the gospel. But when you think the word church, I want you to think of smiling faces and handshakes and hugs and kids running around and meals shared and fellowship together. That's what you should think of when you hear the word church so let me build one more thing on top of this piece of that it means that the church is people um, what kind of people are the church well look at verse one when paul says paul this is me he's writing called to be an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and our brother sosthenes who is this guy Sosthenes? He was a believer in Christ in Corinth, not related to Paul, not related to most people in this church, and yet Paul calls him his brother, our brother. And down in first, verse 3, where Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is family language. This is kinship language because the church you know this, the church is a family, not a biological family, a, a family uh, related to one another through the blood of Christ, right? The church is a family of people. Well, number two, the second thing we learn from this passage is that the church is holy. The church is holy. If you look at verse 2 again, you can see this. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. The word sanctified simply means made holy. It's from the same Greek root as the word holy or saints. And Paul says these people are both made holy in Christ and called to be holy in Christ. Sometimes we trip over this word holy. And maybe for good reason, because it's been knocked around and, and used poorly over the years. But sometimes the idea of holiness or being holy 
leaves a bad taste in our mouths. It reminds us of people who, you know, are too good for everyone else, who look down their noses at other people, who have a holier-than-thou attitude, right? That's, that's a stereotype of a holy person. Or maybe simply someone that's so distant and removed and, and um, separated that they're, they're inaccessible, their uh, curiosity. Um, or we might think that to be holy means we keep extra rules. I'm ashamed to say as a Baptist that not, not long ago in many Baptist circles, holiness seemed to equate to don't drink, don't play cards, don't go to dances, don't go to mixed swimming gatherings, etc. A bunch of rules for how to be holy, right? But we need to get those images out of our heads because holy is a good word and holiness is a good thing. And if we can understand what holiness actually is and where it comes from, I think we will we will cherish it. We will want to be those who are called to be God's holy people. So what is holiness? The main idea behind that word, holy, is something that is set apart or different. So in English, when we call Christmas a holiday, that's from holy day, because it's set apart from the other days of the year. It's different. It's special. And in the same way, Christians are called to be set apart and different from the world. Not in a, not in a, a repulsive way, but in an attractive way, in a head-turning way, like, wow, look at how loving those Christians are. Look at how they forgive people. Look at how they take care of the poor. Look at how those how much joy those Christians have. That's what holiness should should um, produce, right? And how do we do this? By how do we get set apart from the world around us? By wearing different clothes or keeping extra rules? No, but maybe just by being really nice, the world will notice that we're holy. No, our holiness comes from Jesus because it says right here he has made us holy he has sanctified us which means made us holy and you know how he did that by becoming the lamb of god to take our sin on the cross to cancel the sin that that was against us and to give us his holiness and to send his Holy Spirit to live in us, to make us his holy people. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives you that head-turning, different way to live from the world around you. That's not for ourselves, it's for the world around us, right? Um, God, God calls the church to be his holy people so that the world will see Jesus in us and trust in him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 and 14, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We're meant to be attractively different from the world around us. 
so that people will be drawn to Jesus. Now, to be honest, guys, the church has a pretty mixed record on doing that. I'm sure this church has a mixed record on doing that. Sometimes the church hasn't been attractively different, but repulsively different. <laughs> Judgmental, isolated, holier than thou. On the other hand, some churches have been tried to be attractively similar to the culture. Maybe if we don't talk as much about Jesus and the cross and salvation, but instead we'll just talk about American family values. Maybe more people will come to church, right? But that totally loses the gospel. Both, both are errors. True holiness is different from the world and attractive to the world. And that's what we're called to be, and that's what we are made to be in Christ. So that's what I mean when I say the church is holy. And God help us to be a holy church in that way. I want to ask you, if you were to invite a friend to come to our church who was not a Christian, who was maybe suspicious of Christianity or who who lived a very different life than Christians live, would you feel excited for them to meet your Christian brothers and sisters? Or would you feel nervous that they would be um, isolated, looked down upon, rejected, given the signal that they're not welcome here? I believe that in this church, it would be the former. It would be, you'd be excited for them to meet your friends in Christ. But, but you need to answer that question. What kind of a church are we? Well, finally, number three, let me share one more thing that the church is. Here it is. The church is both local and universal. Right here in verse two. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, Right here, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Paul is reminding this one particular assembly of Christians in Corinth that they are but one, one part of a much larger family, a much larger network of believers. Even when this was written, 20 years after Jesus was, was uh, crucified and raised again, there were Christians, uh, churches popping up all over the Roman world. We read about them in the New Testament, places like Jerusalem and Antioch and Ephesus and um, Pamphylia and Colossae and Iconium and Rome and Corinth. Churches all over the place. And each one of them is a church, and they are only all together the church, the church of Jesus Christ. The same is true today. Georgia Plain Baptist Church is a church, but we are only one part of the church, of the universal, worldwide, historic church of God. One helpful way to think about this is the capital C church and the lowercase c church. The capital C church is made up of 
every true Christian who has ever lived That is the church across time and space and culture. Sometimes theologians call this the universal church because of its scope, and sometimes the invisible church because we can't see it all. Only God can see it from his perspective. The lowercase church, on the other hand, is one part of the church that you can see, that you can experience here and now. So, our church, or Redeeming Grace Church, or even the church in Vermont, all the Christians in Vermont. Some of you have only ever attended this church. Others have been to a lot of different churches over your life. But we should always remember and keep in view that we are part of something massive and global and historic. That's the church. The, the capital C church is the largest, most diverse, most world-changing movement ever. In fact, I think the Apostle Paul, when he said to all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord, I think he would be delighted and amazed to see now how true that is, right? How the church has been planted and grown in every country, in every continent, in thousands of cultures and languages across a 2,000-year span. It's truly miraculous. And even now, as we gather as a church in Georgia Plains, Vermont, remember that we are part of this huge worldwide movement. We are connected to the millions of believers who have gone before us in history. And even now we have brothers and sisters in this family in Argentina and uh, uh, Ireland and Japan. And there are churches meeting in cathedrals in Europe or secretly in bedrooms in Afghanistan. Members of Christ's church are sprinkled like salt throughout the whole world in restaurants and road crews and hospitals and factories and hair salons in boardrooms and classrooms and even the halls of government that's the church isn't that amazing and despite all of our differences in culture and language and traditions and theology all of us who believe in jesus christ are one family one church, right? Now, thinking again about how well we reflect that, when you worship here in this body of believers, in this church, do you feel like you're part of something bigger than just us? Do you get a sense of history as we, as we sing old hymns and as we read scriptures that have been the center of the church for two millennia do you get the sense that we talk about churches around the world and what god is doing in other parts of the world because we that's what we should be doing remembering how we're connected historically and universally as a church in christ now i think i've 
I've said this, but, but the church has often lost its way, has failed to live up to its true nature. The church has been focused on buildings and budgets and programs more than people at times. It's been um, either not different from the world or, or isolated from the world at times instead of being truly holy. And it has, uh, Lord have mercy, it has been splintered and, and, and fractious and set into different groups that fight with each other. God knows that, that this, this church is an imperfect uh, version of the real thing. But none of that is God's fault. You know, he made this wonderful, miraculous thing called the church. And human beings have sometimes lived it out imperfectly or, or failed to live it out well. But if we keep our eyes on what the church really is, we have a much better chance of being a true church, of being who we're called to be. And if there's one thing I want to leave you with this morning, one feeling that I hope you have is not, oh, I got to do better or Ah, we've got to change some things. Maybe that's true. But I want you to leave with a feeling of sort of grateful awe that you are part of the church. Because the church, your church that you belong to, if you're a Christian, is a miracle. It's only something that God could make. It has grown one life and one heart at a time for 2,000 years. Um, and God is still creating this thing. And the same is true of our little church here in Georgia Plain. We are a miracle, friends. We exist because of God's miraculous power. Because he has sanctified us in Christ and made us holy and called us to be his holy people. We look very ordinary. We come from ordinary looking houses and work in ordinary jobs with ordinary uh, people. We have ordinary struggles and challenges, right? And the building in which we gather is a very ordinary looking 19th century New England church building. But don't let any of that fool you. You're part of something miraculous, something that God has made something universal and holy and built with life upon life for thousands of years. So may that inspire you and inspire us to be the church here in Georgia Plain. Amen.